Now, I gotta tell you, this week's guest really needs no introduction, at least not in the Henderson area. He was a trusted radio voice for nearly four decades. I grew up listening to him all throughout my childhood and uh, even into early adulthood. He kept me and my family up to speed on all the local news, weather, sports, school closings and delays, you name it. If it was pertinent to Henderson, this man was all over it. Speaking of Mr. Bill Stevens, the longtime news director of Henderson's WSON Radio, and needless to say, Bill covered a number of local, state, and even national stories that a number of us will never forget. So make yourself at home as uh, Bill reflects on his coverage of a few of these many stories, and uh, we'll also find out what got him into broadcasting journalism in the first place. We will uh, learn of his stops prior to WSON and just what's keeping him busy in post-retirement. This and much, much more headed your way right here, right now on Blabbit in the Bluegrass, Season 7, Episode 2. Kentucky features so much more than basketball and horses. We're home to scenic spectacles and one-of-a-kind golf courses. If boating, fishing, dining, or music is your pleasure, we'll guide you to the sights and sounds that you will truly treasure. Cause we're blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste. From Arlington to Arlington, Irvin to Erlanger, nobody but nobody covers the Commonwealth to the extent that we do here on Blabbing in the Bluegrass, Exploration and Celebration of All Things Kentucky. With me, Sam Moore, here at the Majestic magnificent North Quail Motel in Precious Henderson, KY. And boy, what an honor and a privilege it was for me to sit down and visit with Mr. Bill Stevens, former news director of WSON Radio, somebody that I've always thought highly of and respected very much. He thoroughly covered the news of Henderson and the surrounding area and did so with such poise and professionalism. There is a lot that wannabe journalism virtuosos can learn from somebody like Bill. That was such an insightful and entertaining conversation that uh, he and I shared. So I'm going to keep my words short and sweet this time around so we can get right to it. But before we get right to it, I have a bluegrass brain buster yet again hot off the press and ready for you. We try to do one of these each and every week. So you'll get the question now and you'll get the answer after my chats with Bill Stevens. So, as you know, longtime news director at WSON Radio. He was there for 38 years to be exact, and I want to know, what do the call letters WSON stand for? Yes, all call letters in radio and television stand for something. I want to know what WSON stands for. 
You think on that, get the wheel spinning, we will let you know in the program's final segment. Sam Moore proudly presents his Commonwealth Crowd Pleaser. Well, if you were to look up Henderson icons in the um, Webster's Dictionary, this man's picture would uh, undoubtedly be in there. He uh, just retired a few months ago after a whopping 38 years. Yes, you heard me right. 38 years of uh, reporting the news on Henderson's WSON. Although, uh, as we were just saying before we went on record here, uh, Bill's probably more busy now than he was before he retired. So what's uh, what's keeping him busy these days? And how did he... Uh, First, get bitten by the news bug. Gosh, we could uh, actually devote several episodes to to this man and uh, his impressive story, but uh, we'll spare him that misery. But he's going to tell us about a few of the the many memorable uh, stories and events that uh, he covered over the almost four decades that um, he spent in Henderson. So uh, let's make welcome none other than Mr. Bill Stevens. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I think you know, the secret is out now too, Sam, that uh, I actually go by another name uh, besides my air name. And so, uh, and that's what I've had to use uh, more recently is uh, Starks, which is yes. my given name. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I still get Bill Stevens a lot. Just a quick note on that. Uh, Stevens is actually an old family name. Oh. And I changed uh, from using my full name, to using an air name way back when I actually started in radio in 1980 in Owensboro. I had worked initially at WVJS, which was uh, the big top 40 station. And uh, I was just starting out in college, just had graduated high school. So obviously I wanted everybody to know I was on the top ranked radio station in my hometown. Oh, sure. Uh, that lasted all of six months. <laughs> uh, my grades were starting to suffer. Um, I was already working two other jobs to try to work my way through college. And uh, it just, you know, I, I felt like I really needed to devote more time to my study. So I actually left that job, I was out of radio for a few months. And then another opening came up uh, right across the street from Kentucky Wesleyan, where I was going to school at uh, WOMI and WBKR. Yeah, and, sister uh, stations. Exactly. And and see, this is where the transition begins. When I worked at uh, VJS, the competing station, I was actually spinning the hits. I was, uh, you know, I had the stacks of wax. I, I was doing the nighttime uh, weekend show, uh, Saturday night. But when I went to, uh, to BKR, there across from the station, uh, it was a news job. Oh. And I had to make the decision. I said, you know, not that long ago, I was just a DJ, you know, playing the top 40 hits on this other station. You were well, building a record man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I was the classic DJ. And then, but would people give me the same credibility as a reporter if I used the same name? And so that's when I also, uh, you know, started using the name Stevens. The other side of that coin was that when I first started, Starks sounds a whole lot like Sparks. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And and so there was sometimes some confusion there. Um, and then uh, 
actually my wedding announcement came out as stanks of all things yeah (laughs) i even went to the paper and i said please you've got to you've got to correct this because uh, this wedding may not happen because she's not going to marry a stanks and uh, (laughs) unfortunately they printed it wrong again even when they tried to correct it but uh oh gosh uh, well you're still you're still married so (laughs) yeah fortunately it, it all worked out in the end but i i did feel like i needed to start fresh and that's where stevens comes from so that's where we get Stevens, and that's what she went by, even though, yes, now that you're in the political realm, more people are uh, becoming familiar with Starks, and uh, we'll we'll talk more about that soon, but uh, I tell you, Bill, most broadcast journalists would uh, would tell you that they had radio and, and television personalities that they idolized when they were uh, children, so I was just curious, uh, what were the the uh, radio, television people, uh, news or otherwise, that uh, that mm-hmm. were your favorites growing up as a youngster in Owensboro? You know, interestingly enough, we didn't listen to a lot of radio. My mom had a great uh, record collection, and she just played the heck out of those. She was a huge Elvis fan. And so uh, the music in our house was usually coming off of a turntable and speakers. Now, the only time that really she liked to listen to the radio was uh, at lunch, and she would listen to the radio station out of Madisonville, WFMW, uh, where she grew up, and it was basically really to listen to the obituaries to find out if she had lost any of her old schoolmates or any extended family or, you know, and just to kind of keep up with some of the news from her old hometown because she grew up there in uh, Hopkins County. Um, so growing up, really, uh, I listened, you know, you heard some Paul Harvey because they carried the Paul Harvey news. Good day. And, <laughs> and exactly. And the rest <laughs> of the story. Um, which interestingly enough, I actually wrote for the school newspaper there in Owensboro in high school. And uh, Paul Harvey gave his blessing to our staff to use the rest of the story as the title of our yearbook one year. Oh, that's And cool. even wrote a preface to it. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, th- that was very cool. Um, and there was a, a motivational speaker that they would carry too, called uh, uh, Earl Nightingale. That I'm not sure if you've familiar. ever heard yeah, that name before. So that was kind of my early introduction to radio. Now, finally, as I got older into high school, of course, I was riding in other people's cars. We were listening to the hit songs of the day of the 70s and the 80s. Uh, and so I got to know some of the DJs. And uh, actually, some of the uh, DJs at OMI were the teachers at Kentucky Wesleyan. They would teach the production classes, uh, programming broadcast law, which is uh, everything that I was involved in. So I got to build a really good rapport and they were able to get to know uh, the students and we were able to get to know them. And that's how I got my really foot in the door there at OMI and BKR. And uh, so uh, certainly those were some of my first uh, mentors and teachers. Our professor at at Kentucky Wesleyan was a a gentleman by the name of Gary Drum who was very instrumental in teaching a young Bill Stevens how to broadcast, how to be an announcer. Uh, But uh, also always uh, appreciated the TV uh, news people as well, like the Peter Jennings uh, of the day. And uh, 
and even the Dan Rathers. I didn't always agree with everything that uh, Dan Rathers had to say, but uh, there were a few things I took away that uh, I think have helped me all these years. Basically, sure. one of the main things is, you know, we're all biased in some ways, but we can all be fair, meaning that as a reporter, that's your job. You have to show all sides of a particular story or issue. And, exactly. uh, and, and no matter what your personal beliefs are, uh, you can still be, you can report on that fairly. And that's been one of my, uh, you know, obvious goals all through this. Absolutely. Now, um, I know on the local side of things, I've heard my mom and, and plenty of others who grew up in the 60s and 70s talk about uh, Marsha Yockey and what a, a god she was. Did you ever watch uh, Marsha Yockey on Channel 14 back in the day? My mom loved Marsha Yockey, and yeah, she was the greatest. And uh, it's interesting because uh, in the very early days of coming to Henderson, of course, that put me so close to the Evansville market. And that's something I'd always wanted to do. My mom actually worked in the war plants there in Evansville during the forties when she was a very uh, young lady. Oh, I didn't and know that. Uh, she built, uh, she was actually a Rosie the Riveter. She helped to rivet the uh, wing tips of the P-47s that they built at Cervell. Uh, I've still got some of the needles. These are the sharpest needles known to man that they used to actually sew the parachutes. There was a parachute factory in Evansville. And, and these needles are long. And like I say, they are sharp because uh, the silk that they were using uh, couldn't be penetrated by just a regular, you know, everyday type of household needle. It took something very special. But uh, any case, she, so she always kept up to date with what was going on in Evansville. She knew about Marsha. And uh, so we would watch her with the magic marker, you know, dipping it in the jar and then putting the ISO bars on the map <laughs> so that you knew where the, you know, the gradients were and, and the tighter the gradient, the greater the amount of pressure. And that was going to lead to these kind of cold fronts. We have a happy little, you know, warm front coming through here. She'd all, always say, and I will love towards the end, you know, when she gave all the, the statistics, like the highs and the lows and, and all that. And she would always put like, uh, uh, a sun and she'd put out how many rays so if it was going to be really sunny she'd put more you know rays and then if it wasn't going to be very sunny it was just a half circle <laughs> so yeah I love love loved uh, Marsha and never really got to meet her in person but I got to talk to Ernie Block Norm Carroll and some of the other forecasters of the National Weather Service when they were actually at the Evansville office at Evansville Airport. This was before they moved everything down to Paducah and we still had the radar site there right. on the north side of Evansville. And these were the people that she listened to and that she learned from. And that's how she developed her forecast was actually talking to uh, the folks there at the Weather Service office uh, in Evansville. Oh, so she got to know the weather service people and listen to their forecasts. And that's how she sort of. <laughs> Absolutely. That, her that helped weather. her to develop what then she and but she had such a unique way of then relaying that to the general public. And of course, you know, jumping into the pool on the 4th of July and all the other crazy things she would do. She, you know, and then piloting not only airplanes, but a helicopter, which was pretty unheard of 
for women back in that time frame. And uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, there is, I think there's still like a uh, Marsha Yaki Memorial Facebook page that has a lot of people that still, you know, follow that and remember her on her birthday and, and just come up with uh, different stories that they have about uh, her. So yeah, I, <laughs> I'm I'm happy and very lucky to say that I, I grew up in the age of Marsha Yaki on Channel 14. Yeah, I'm telling you, she was one in a million more deserving of that uh, memorial page than, than most people even realize. She was, uh, you know, one of a kind and, and quite artistic for sure. Now you went, um, like you said, to Kentucky Wesleyan. I don't know why you were mm -hmm. there. You uh, you said you worked at. Um, WVJS first, but I know uh, now Wesleyan actually has WKWC 90.3 on the radio dial, but they didn't have a, a, a student-run radio station on campus at that time, did they? Actually, there was an on-campus radio station. It was WKWC. Oh, okay. However, you're right in a sense because it was only in the dorms on campus. It was a very unique situation where they ran cable from the studios to every building on that campus. And so it was a closed circuit radio station. Oh, I remember uh, one of my old professors at Western, he told me that apparently Western's radio station was like that many moons ago. <laughs> it's, it was wired into the electrical system. And uh, you plugged your phone, of course, into an outlet back in those days. And that's where the signal would come in. It would come in through the actual power cord and then show up on your radio at the frequency. And I'm, I'm afraid I've forgotten what that was. Uh, but uh, in any case, we had a captive audience in a way because uh, we piped it into the uh, uh, cafeteria, the dining hall. And so you knew at least a couple of times a day, people were going to be listening. And those were the air shifts that people wanted the most, because certainly they, they wanted that kind of exposure. They wanted that kind of an audience. Um, and we played everything. Uh, it, it was what you would call today a, a day part type of station. Uh, played a lot of uh, great rock music because uh, John Mellencamp had just come on the scene. Uh, but then you'd have some people that liked uh, punk rock, which was just starting up. Uh, there were some people that were still playing some disco at that time uh, and a little bit of everything, maybe some jazz, some, uh, something like that, maybe some new age. But uh, I was actually the student general manager of that radio station the last oh, okay. two years uh, of my, that I was there. Uh, one year, the uh, uh, professor, uh, Drum, had to uh, go on sabbatical. And uh, so they needed somebody to continue to schedule the air shifts and take care of the music uh, when the, you know, the disc would come in. We, you know, worked on the studios if there was an equipment issue or something like that. Uh, so that was my work study. That, that's another way that I paid for, uh, for my college there. Well, that's but then it, Yeah, it was right after I left is when they got the FCC approval and the, uh, the college board agreed. And that's when they started to build actually what you see now. Uh, at, at Kentucky Wesleyan with an actual on-air FM station. Yeah, so that was right after you left, back when you were there, uh, people could only hear it in the dorms. And I'm guessing, you know, you were probably on the air uh, at least once, maybe twice a week, weren't you? Something like that. Yeah, it, yeah, and if I wasn't on the air, I was 
usually hanging out uh, there. And, and actually, there was a, a classroom at, attached to the studio. So yeah, I spent a lot of time there. Yeah, I can imagine. Yes, indeed. That was uh, that was great training for sure. So uh, anyway, after um, after uh, VJS and your uh, your college stint, you uh, drifted over to WOMI slash BKR, and um, your boss there is uh, many will recognize his name, none other than Big Bill Love, Mister Large and in charge. As you better he, believe uh, it. <laughs> refer yes. to himself. So uh, anyway, I. You know, based on all that I've heard of of Big Bill through the years, I'm I'm sure there wasn't ever a a, a dull moment working under him. So talk about uh, your fondest memories of uh, working under uh, Brother Love as he went by at one point in time, right. and uh, the the lessons that that you learned from him. Learned a lot from Bill Love of how not to do radio. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's what we always said. No, I, I absolutely love uh, Big Bill. And actually, we worked together because, you know, he was the voice of WBKR. I worked, actually, my direct uh, boss was the news director, Keith Sharber, and he was news director for both stations. Uh, and so he would be on the air uh, a bit with Bill uh, doing headlines. But then when he was gone, I would take over. And so it was... Uh, myself. And, you know, I, I don't think I even realized at the time what uh, a following there was and how far that signal actually went out. Uh, a hundred thousand watt uh, FM station at the time was one of the, the few that actually did that. And uh, there is a story about uh, the call letters because uh, WBKR supposedly stood for um, big country radio with country spelled with a K. Ah. And, you, and you want call letters, right, that have hard, constant sounds. Uh, they, they come out easier than some of the softer consonants. So BKR was, you know, like one of the perfect call signs for a radio station. Uh, but we always uh, in-house called it butt-kicking radio. Butt kicking radio, I love it. <laughs> because we had, <laughs> you know, the 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 purple blowtorch of, of Western Kentucky there, and it served such an area uh, that really didn't have many other radio stations to listen to, unless you went to uh, maybe a Nashville station or somewhere else. So, um, but uh, yeah, going back to working with Big Bill, he he again, he was just larger than life and more than just his stature but which he is huge he, so oh, yes. that was that was not you know made up by any stretch of the imagination oh no i'll never forget uh, this little story was i think somebody was saying you know old generals never die they just fade away i think i've heard big that bill, before yeah big bill love looked at me and he said there are no old DJs, <laughs> meaning that most of the time, you know, people in that profession often burn out very quickly. It's, it's, it's not as glamorous as uh, you might think. It, it's not like KRP in some ways, although in other ways it really is. But, uh, uh, it, you know, it's long hours, it's late nights, it's weekends, it's holidays. You don't get a whole lot of time off. Uh, there's uh, a lot of people that have, uh, you know, uh, gone through relationship uh, 
problems and uh, and ended up divorcing over it and and just the whole bit and and you're not making a lot of money usually unless you're in a major metropolitan area and right if you are you know that's a very dog eat dog situation and oh, you may indeed. be on top you know one day and you can be out the door in a heartbeat if you know no for doubt whatever reason the ratings or or you know something is said and yeah it's a numbers trouble. game in the big metros for sure absolutely absolutely so uh any case uh, i've just always uh, remembered that but as it turns out he's still you know doing a few things i think on radio on yeah, the weekends. he's still kicking uh, and, and and here i was uh, 38 years later still in it so uh, and it's always going to be in my blood. Um, I think I'll always do something uh, associated with broadcasting. It's just uh, it's just who I am. Yeah, exactly. You know, some <laughs> some well, a lot of people burn out, but th there are exceptions like uh, like you and Big Bill Love. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. so so we we disproved that uh, that adage, I think. Absolutely, and <laughs> nothing <laughs> nothing wrong with it. Now. Uh, how long were you at uh, at BKRO in my there before you drifted to Hendersonville? Four years. Four years. So I'm... yeah, it it got me through college, and like I say, it it uh, I went uh, full time there. Uh, and uh, what's interesting is uh, it was actually Ed Castiller, who was the news director at the time at uh, WSON and also at uh, then WKDQ which was the FM station here in Henderson. Right. He would call me early in the morning there at BKR and we would swap stories uh, because certainly BKR included the Henderson area. Sure. And oftentimes, uh, you know, there would be, you know, back then there was the sin fuels. Uh, there was the uh, other issues that were taking place that kind of involved both of our communities. And so, uh, he would feed me a story and I would reciprocate. And we kind of built our uh, relationship over the phone like that for several months. And one day, yeah, he gave me a call and he just said, uh, hey, would you want to maybe come over and talk? And so we met at uh, Gene's restaurant. Oh, I remember Gene's. <laughs> right there on Green Street. I'll never forget. And uh, over lunch, he kind of gave me a little bit of an overview and, and asked if I would be interested in coming over to uh, Henderson and work there at, uh, at uh, SON and uh, KDQ. And like I said, it, it was something always kind of in the back of my mind. I wanted to get closer to the Evansville market. I like Evansville. Um, I didn't know that much about Henderson, but uh, I said, yeah, sure. Why not? Let's do this. There you and, go. So uh, that's uh, the rest is history, as they say. Yes, absolutely. So 1984 on, you were uh, you were in Henderson, and uh, like you said, WSON and uh, WKDQ were under the same ownership, both owned by uh, Henry Lackey at the time. Anyhow, like we like we said, Ed Stiller was the uh, the news director when you were first employed at um, SON slash. KDQ, and I once heard you tell a very interesting story about uh, an assignment issued to you by Ed on uh, the very first day that you were right. there. So, uh, <laughs> for those who for those who've never heard it, uh, de describe the subject of uh, this very first assignment and the the challenging but invaluable experience you gained from it, Bill. Well, 
it was very innocent enough. Um, Ed said there was a gentleman by the name of Bucky Rash, who was at the time the postmaster of Henderson, but he also was a member of the Rotary Club. And as such, he was also involved with their international student exchange program. Back in the day, uh, they would send uh, folks here from other countries and we would reciprocate. And uh, it was uh, a really a, kind of a big thing and uh, uh, a way to kind of get to better understand other cultures and get them to understand us. And uh, I really wish we did more of that still today. Maybe some someday they can bring that back. But anyway, uh, uh, Mr. Rash was kind of the person in charge of that type of program. Mm -hmm. And so the direction from Ed Castiller, he put a tape recorder in my hand back then. It, it consisted of a cassette tape player and recorder. Sure. And he said, uh, here's the address. He lives right on Main Street in downtown Henderson. Please, you know, go and get an interview about this Rotary Exchange program that was about to take place. And I thought, sure, you know, no problem. You know, I'm yeah, I can handle I, this. No big. Yeah, this is, you know, uh, we used to have a name for stories like this, right? It, it was either fluff, you know, kind of a feel good type of story, not really hard news, human interest. Uh, uh, somehow we got to call them PUD stories. I don't know what, uh, it just not like your top of the, uh, you know, grabbing news story of the day. Yeah, like not bright. A lot news. of filler. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> So I found the address, fine, very easy, beautiful streets. And it was really the first time I'd really driven downtown. And uh, one of the, you know, really nice historic homes there on Main Street. And uh, I remember going to the door and knocking and saying hello. And I could hear there was someone in the background. And there was another voice. Uh, the the screen door was locked, but the wooden door was open. So I could actually kind of see in, but I didn't see anyone in particular. I just saw down the hallway. Uh -huh. uh, and I waited and I knocked again, uh, no answer, no uh, acknowledgement of any kind. Um, but I could still hear something in the background. So I, I felt like there was somebody there. So I, I waited a while, hoping that maybe somebody would pass by and I could grab their attention. Um, I knocked again several times. I think there might've been a doorbell. I may have rung that a few times, uh, <laughs> and to no avail whatsoever. Mm. And finally, I, I think I just, I was getting a bit nervous because I thought, boy, there's one cardinal rule in radio news. And that is you don't go to a meeting you don't go out on assignment and not bring back something. <laughs> that's Even a that's like the, a sin almost isn't it <laughs> oh it it absolutely is if you go to the most boringest board meeting you still have to find some kind of nugget to to you know justify the time you spent being there there had sure. to be something yes a story <laughs> there somewhere right well uh and i you know this is my first day i, I don't want to go back empty-handed so i i finally i kind of hello is is anyone there and this ethereal voice comes back yeah i'm in here watching the news i'll be with you in a little bit <laughs> you're like it's about time you said something to me <laughs> I, I, I thought wow so uh and sure enough uh, it was like a half an hour later whenever whatever program it was he was watching was done he, he got up he came to the door 
I introduced myself. I said, I'm here to uh, talk to you about the rotary. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he was very receptive and, and, and a very good interview and uh, appreciative that we you know, would take the time to come to his house to be interviewed. But I could tell, you know, he, he was not, uh, you know, kind of the warm type of personality. He, he was. Uh, yeah, you know, it's tough to deal with at times. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but so I thanked him for his time, got back to the radio station. And um, I said, here it is. I've got the interview. And Ed Castillo said, what? I said, yeah, I, I, I got to talk. He said, you mean you actually got to talk to Bucky Ray? <laughs> I said, well, yeah. He said, you're going to be okay. Oh, it was a test on his part. Yeah. He, he knew that it wasn't going to be a, a cakewalk and he wanted to see just how persistent Bill uh, Stevens was in uh, tracking down a story. So you so say you passed your first test. I, it, I sure did. <laughs> and learned a lot from and, it. And had sure. several more opportunities to, to talk to Mr. Rash and then to Mildred Bassett, who was the uh, following, uh, who took his place as postmaster and, and then so many other people all these years. And it's just yes. been a fantastic, fantastic uh, opportunity. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have to think I was probably in the right place. I was where I needed to be when I worked there at WSON. Yes, indeed. You found out it was meant to be pretty quick. Now, I know um, not long after you got to SON slash KDQ, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think KDQ moved to a new location. That's when they went to Zion Road. And uh, you were given the choice of... Um, either uh, transferring full-time to KDQ, which was like a 50,000-watt station that covered much of the tri-state, or you had the option of remaining at uh, WSON and, and just staying on the AM side. So uh, what exactly influenced your decision to remain with WSON and continue your focus on Henderson area news? Right. And, and actually what happened was uh, the two stations were at Zion Road when I first came to town. Oh, SON was there too. Okay. Yeah, they, they'd they been there. Yeah. And, and in fact, that's where SON started. And then eventually um, SON FM became KDQ FM. Uh, and uh, within about six weeks of my being hired in Henderson here uh, and being on the air, uh, we received word from Henry that he was... Uh, going to be selling the stations because at the time he was planning on running for um, Congress. And so he was going to make a, a move in his life and um, he wanted to divest himself of these two radio stations. And he had found a person that was interested in buying them together. And that was Pete Dininger. As that sale was going through the process, it was determined that uh, Pete Dininger could not proceed with the purchase of the am station it was oh, so okay he could only take kdq he could only take kdq so that's where this whole uh decision making process had to come and you have to think you know i'm uh about uh 24 years old i had just gotten married again knew very few people here in henderson she knew absolutely no one she had just started a brand new i've just you know up you know uprooted everybody for this new position. And now we're in this state of upheaval and uncertainty. And so um, it, it wasn't the most fun time in my life, but I think it did work out in the end because uh, the choice came down. Could I, would I stay with KDQ 
and actually do like two minutes of headlines in the morning. And that was basically it. Right. Or would I stay with uh, SON, which uh, Henry was going to continue to have. Uh, we would have to relocate because we couldn't stay there at Zion Road. That's when we moved downtown. That's where we're still at today at the city center. Sure. Uh, but there, you know, the newscasts were half an hour and there was other, you know, there was speak up and there were other programs and, and things going on. And uh, I looked at Ed Castiller and I said, you know, you've got the seniority here. It, you've got the decision. Which one do you want? He said, no, really, I want you to decide. He said, I'm about, he was going to retire anyway. He was going to get into some other line of work. He said, it's your choice. You pick. And so I always appreciate him letting me do that. And I said, Ed, I'm a journalist. I don't, I'm not just here for the headlines. I want to actually do news. And he said, fine. And so that's how it actually happened. That I came downtown with uh, Henry and, and, and uh, Leanne Oliver was the station manager. And we, we really, it was just about uh, a handful, about five of us that uh, recreated that radio station from the ground up, a new format, um, new studios. And, uh, and really that's where Speak Up started to evolve into just once a week to five days a week and actually becoming a live program where before it had been pre-recorded. So that's really how that all started. That's cool. Yeah, you just, uh, you didn't want to just do two minutes of headlines every hour, every morning, did you? <laughs> so it would have been a cushy job. I, you, looking back, you might say, well, why, why wouldn't you do that? And plus, you know, a bigger station. Uh, but uh, something just told me it was in my heart uh, that, uh, yeah. <clears throat> you know, I, I think by then, even in the short period of time I'd been here in Henderson, it had already grown on me that much that, uh, I felt like that was where I needed to be. There you go. And uh, <laughs> myself and, and a lot of other people are, are glad you made that decision. A lot of us woke up with, uh, with speak up most uh, every morning mm -hmm. at, at 8 a.m. And so um, I guess that was obviously that started before you got there. Was it, was it Hugh Ed Sandifer that started speak up? Actually, uh, the gentleman's name was Saul Bernstein. Saul Bernstein. Uh, if you know Jerry Bernstein, that was his father. Yeah, I know Jerry. Okay. And and Jerry, of course, had the uh, men's clothing store in downtown for so long and has worked with community theater and, and other things. But uh, but uh, actually, yeah, and, and it was a 15-minute program to start out. And again, I think it was, uh, it. I don't believe it was every day, or if it was, it changed to once a week. And, and again, it was being recorded when I came to town. And then uh, we decided to make it live and make it a call-in show. Well, and, and a lot of people enjoyed that interactive um, aspect of it and, and, and still do. Now, um, I'll tell you, for those of you who don't know, by the way, Hugh Ed Sandifer was the uh, news director back in, gosh, what, 60s and 70s? He, he was there for almost yeah, three decades. He, 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 he was, uh, before, before me, the longest serving uh, news director and not only uh, did radio, but also wrote for the newspaper as well. And uh, I never had the chance to meet Hugh Edward but I've heard so many stories about him and that was kind of always my back of my, of, of my mind, uh, kind of pushing me to do what I did and try to do the best that I could was that uh, I felt like if I could be half the news person that Hugh Edward Sandifer was, that uh, I'd be okay. 
<laughs> and I'd say, and I'd say, I'd so say he, that he, he definitely was a role model. Yes. Well, and he, he uh, inspired a lot of people I know. Now, um, the amount of stories and uh, historic events you covered, I mean, they're, they're way too numerous to mention, but I thought we'd reflect on uh, a few of them here and uh, we get your thoughts on uh, what you remember most about them and what stands out in your mind most when you um, think back. And let's start out with, um, the ever so unforgettable 9-11 attacks in uh, in 2001, because most of us remember where we were when uh, when that happened. So what? where were you? Well, I know where you were, but right. <laughs> what exactly were you in the middle of? And uh, gosh, what was it like to to cover those, um, you know, the, the many events throughout the course of that day? You know, that's... Uh... Like you say, there's so many big stories that you cover in your career that things get muddled, they get uh, blurred. But this is one that is still a crystal clear picture in my mind that always will be, I think, uh, uh, as long as I live. I was at the radio station. Obviously, it was uh, time for Speak Up. Although uh, in those days, we also would take a break on uh, certain days uh, to have. Uh, uh, what we called affectionately uh, either John at Jeans, if oh, it was at Jeans restaurant, Jean's. Yep. or Rappin' at Ralph's. Remember Ralph's? Uh, Ralph's Hickory uh, Pit. Oh, absolutely. Hickory Pit. Yeah, I miss both those places. But yeah, uh, me both. Uh, so, as it happened on that uh, September the 11th, it was uh, right after a Friday night high school football game. Uh, Henry Lackey, and uh, at that time, I think uh, Mike Heron. Uh, were co-hosting that show and we would have the coaches come in and then if people wanted to uh, I think call in on that show that's why I was back at the station I would you know engineer the show and uh, play the commercials and then take any calls and I would you know get on the on the microphone excuse me gentlemen we've got a caller here's a question type of thing um, just before the show started is when the Associated Press uh, wire uh, service we had a uh, teletype out in the front office, had gone off, and the only thing we knew at that moment was that a plane had hit the World Trade Center in New York. Oh, uh -huh. and, and so as the show was getting started, I broke in and basically gave that headline. I said, excuse me, but we have a report. The plane has hit the World Trade Center, and um, you'll, we'll get you more information as it becomes available. In my mind at the moment, because I was not watching anything live on TV at that time, I was thinking a passenger plane. I had no clue, and it didn't mention the type of plane. So I had, you know, I couldn't even begin. To, I thought it was bad enough for a passenger plane. How, how can you not miss a big building like that? Right. But uh, so any, anyway, the show proceeds and... Uh, at the time, we did have a TV in the studio, so I turned it over to CNN, thinking I'm sure they are probably by now maybe having some updates, so I'll watch that, and I'll watch The Wire, and that way, when we get more information, I can break back in. Mm. Well, I, as I turned it on, that's when the second plane hit the second tower. Oh, goodness. And, I mean, I, all the air in my body just flew out because I knew this wasn't an accident. Exactly. We were under attack. And 
so I immediately cut back into our show and I said, gentlemen, I'm sorry, we're going to have to break away because we've got this breaking story in New York. And now the second World Trade Center has been hit. Uh, they are both on fire. And, um, you know, we have no idea about casualties at this point. But uh, this is a rapidly developing story. And from there on, uh, we had actually had signed an agreement earlier that we could carry the audio portion of CNN on the air in case of national stories of national interest. And that so, meant that criteria for sure. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and it was the first and as far as, well, uh, we, we used it during desert storm. Uh, but uh, we actually switched and, and we were pretty much an all news station for about the next two to three days. Uh, Walt, oh, Walt, we, I don't, I don't know that we played very much music. If it was, it was patriotic. I remember uh, the Lee Greenwood song coming out. Uh, what uh, really is vivid uh, was going to the prayer service that was held that same afternoon over at First United Methodist Church, uh, which was uh, put together very quickly. And as things were still evolving, but it was, I thought, showed just how quickly our community really started to rally together. And then all of a sudden, and, and what was ironic was I think we had a riverboat coming to town. And so the American flags had already been put out along the streets because that's how they would used to, uh, to welcome the boats. Oh, sure. Was with, yeah, with the, was with our flags because they, they would put them out for holidays and other special occasions. And I just remember those flags stayed out for weeks and how many people had flags, you know, in the back of their pickup trucks and hanging out their windows and, and, and all that. And, and so uh, those are, are my memories of, and, and, and again, that, yeah, that certainly one of the biggest stories of the time I was there at the radio station was to cover that. And then all the things that transpired after that with the war and right. Uh, and all the changes uh, and, and the world has changed a lot um, just because of all that. Yeah. And it was uh, quite a blessing that you were able to carry CNN over the air. Cause that helped to keep listeners informed. Oh, yeah. and no, abreast no doubt. Well. Yeah. And, I, and, and that's, that's what it was for is just in case of a, a some type we were thinking, you know, never even thought about terrorism. It was more of a natural disaster of some sort. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah. and now look, look at our world today and, and, you know, unfortunately, I, I think that's something we all now have to keep in the back of our minds. Yeah. It's something that, uh, that most of us do for sure. Now, uh, fast forwarding about eight years in 2009, we had a historic ice storm here in uh, in Henderson and I actually missed out on most of it I was uh, at Western at the time and uh, the ice uh, and rain snow mm -hmm. line was just a little above Bowling Green so we didn't actually get too much ice but I know Henderson Owensboro everybody up here got a ton of ice and there were power outages galore uh, some lasted for weeks so gosh what, what stands out when when you reflect back on uh, your coverage of that ice storm in 2009. You know, I'd been through blizzards of 78 and there in heavy snowstorms before. We'd had, you know, some ice, obviously in this part of the country where you do have 
that possibility where the temperature on the ground is colder than the rain that's falling through the air, uh, but never, ever uh, had gone through anything like that. And like you say, it, it, of course, weather's always going to be your biggest story, no matter what, because it affects everybody the same, or at least uh, it's, it's the great equalizer. Everyone's going to feel it. Everyone has to deal with it in some shape, form, or fashion. So that's why weather, and especially severe weather, has to be your top story in a newscast. And that's why you've heard Bill Stevens talk about the weather a lot, is just to keep folks up to date because they have to get to their jobs, they have to get their kids to school, they have to know how to dress them, what to expect, especially farmers, you know, if they're out in the field and that type of, or other people that have to be outdoors. So, uh, yeah, so yeah. weather- That was the million huge. dollar question, what's the weather gonna be? <laughs> right, no doubt. And and uh, and so uh, that's one reason why we had our own weather radar for a while there in uh, downtown, because after they shut down the Evansville, radar site, uh, there was concern that the Paducah site wouldn't cover the Henderson area, Henderson-Evansville area quite as well as, uh, you know, we had been used to. And it wasn't until, you know, the newer uh, Nexrad radio went into uh, southern Indiana that now serves us as well uh, that, you know, and that's another reason why uh, Channel 25 put their radar scope up. But sure. so, yeah, weather, huge. Uh, what I remember most of the ice storm was waking up in the middle of the night, the sounds of what sounded like World War III, and it was actually the limbs of the trees that were snapping and sounding like gunshots. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah. It, I mean, it, it, the rain came down, and it froze very silently, and I remember just how quiet the world got while that ice was forming on the trees and on the power lines and everything else but then as the trees were bending over from all the weight of that ice and they just couldn't take it and uh, and I mean huge huge limbs I'd never heard anything like that in my life and it was it was pretty frightening um, well, I can imagine I remember saying I've got to get to the radio station people are depending on us we were so, I don't know how this happened, but we were so lucky that we never lost power at uh, WSON. And that's, this is before we actually had 96.5, the translator on the air. So it was still just AM at that time. But that tower site never lost power. And we did have a generator just in case, but uh, we were able to stay on the air. What a blessing just, that was. It, 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 we were one of the very lucky few because some radio stations lost their towers because the weight of the ice. Others, you know, lost power and didn't have another means to, to get back on the air for a couple of days at best. Uh, so I had to get to the station, but the, the, all the streets were just these rivers of ice and there's still maybe a little bit of water on top of it. And that's the very worst. There is no traction whatsoever. And I was driving a uh, Nissan Pathfinder at the time, I think. Oh, gosh. And, and, uh, and it wasn't four-wheel drive. And so I just crawled. I mean, I absolutely like one to two miles per hour crawled. And as I went across the cloverleaf, there were cars off 
both sides of the road, all around that cloverleaf. The lights were, their emergency blinkers were going because, and even uh, the emergency vehicles were sliding off. They could not maintain traction on this. And, and they were trying to, to respond to all these different slide offs and wrecks. And I just remember creeping all the way across that bridge with my oh breath my gosh. held and finally making it down to Green Street. I felt if I could get onto level ground again, uh, off the bridge, that I could make it. And I did. And when I got to the station, I was there for the duration. And uh, actually, I brought my, uh, my wife and kids down to the station because we did lose power for a brief period of time here at the house. Also, and, you spent uh, a few nights at the station. I, I did. I did. And so, and then, and again, it was like the nine one one. We, we were on the air almost constantly giving out safety information, how to, how to, you know, be careful of any power lines that were down, watch out for the tree limbs that might still be coming down that were weak. Uh, and I do recall um, uh, the governor at the time, Steve Bashir, which uh, is the father of our current governor, right. Andy Bashir, uh, coming in with the National Guard in a Humvee, and we had a news conference in the parking lot there of the courthouse and talking about how the guard was gonna be going out into the rural areas, checking on folks. They were uh, helping uh, people like nurses and doctors that lived outside of town, try to get to the hospital and back safely so they could treat patients, uh, even though maybe their vehicles were iced in. Uh, talking about the, you know, what could be done to try to recover, but it was such a huge disaster. And, I, you know, you look around, you still see some lines dangling off of power poles. Now, they're not live, and most of them are old cable or old telephone cables. Right. Uh, but that is still from the after effects of that storm still today. That's hard to imagine, but um, yeah, I'm guess <laughs> I'm guessing. Let's see, what were the uh, what were the sleeping arrangements like? Did you did you have an official WSON couch there to stretch out? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> uh, you've been to our studios before. Not very big at all. We don't no. have couches. Uh, uh, it and the floor uh, is concrete. Uh, there is a little bit of carpet, but no pad. And uh, so uh, I'll I'll have to say. Uh, we didn't get a whole lot of sleep. And yeah, I bet not. I think we did have a couple of, of sleeping bags, and I think we took turns, but uh, at least we had heat. Uh, yeah, you stayed again, warm anyhow. And I yeah, exactly. And that was the that was the main thing. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I knew it was going to be a stretch to get a couch into the actual radio studio, but by <laughs> exactly. maybe if they got real creative, <laughs> they could no doubt slide one in but at least uh, <laughs> at least you stayed warm now um late in 2021 shortly after the uh, the pandemic uh, or the the bulk of the pandemic was behind this bill you made the decision to um to retire from WSON which you ultimately did this past September so um mm -hmm. just out of curiosity uh, how difficult was this decision and uh, what made the timing feel right to call it a career in the newsroom? You know, a, a lot of different factors. Um, and at the time, our office manager, Darlene uh, Hawkins, had already made the decision that she was going to be retiring uh, even earlier in uh, 
2022. Um, and for the, you know, the past uh, years, a couple of years before that, uh, people had started to ask me, so, you know, you've been on the air how long? Uh, what, when do you think you'll, you'll retire? And I never really had thought about that very much. I never thought I would retire. I always thought uh, I'd probably be on the air till my dying breath. Uh, but I, I, after, like you say, the pandemic and everything we went through with that, I got to thinking, you know, maybe there's a little bit more to life. And uh, I've enjoyed it. I felt like I've done everything that you could do. And I've, I actually felt it was time to give someone else that opportunity like they did for me. You know, I sure. think sometimes we kind of hold on too long. And, uh, you know, there's a whole generation out there that, that need to be the next Bill Stevens. And they need to be, you know, uh, the ones to take up the mantle and carry on. And so uh, I, I definitely wanted to give our current owner at Henson and the staff uh, plenty of notice. So I told them in uh, late September, October of 2021, that uh, in the next year, when I turned 62, and that was a big part of it too, I'm, I'm now retirement age, I actually could start to draw Social Security early. Right. Uh, that, um, you know, it was, you know, it's time to start looking for my replacement. So I tried to give them, you know, as much lead time on that, because uh, I knew it wouldn't be easy. And, uh, and that's how much I, you know, I care about this position and, and those folks is uh, that, you know, I wasn't just going to up one day and quit. Sure. And, uh, and, and, you know, they certainly did everything in their power to start the, the search. I actually stayed a little bit longer than I had originally planned. I thought I would be leaving in early September. Oh yeah, uh, you stayed stay, till the end of the month. I, I stayed till the end of the month because uh, that's when they were still talking to uh, the current news director, Aaron Smith, and working things out with her. And uh, and you know, I'm very happy to see Aaron take up this mantle. It's not easy. She's never been a broadcaster, so go easy on her. She's learning a lot in a very short period of time. She is sure. a great journalist, though, and that was really one of the key things that we had to uh, take into account is, uh, you know, someone who had a solid journalistic background, and she has that. Uh, right. She's a good writer, and now she's learning then how to be a good broadcaster as well. And um, so give her some more time, give her uh, a chance to get settled in because it's not easy learning kind of as you're doing it. And that's, that's how it's happening. And yeah. I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm kind of consulting, uh, you know, making suggestions, helping out uh, a little bit with live streams when they need help there at the station uh, and certainly any other way. And, and, and you know, giving uh, Aaron any advice and, and tips and, who to contact for this type of story and that type of thing. So, um, but I, I do feel like it's in very good hands. Oh yeah. Like I said, solid, solid journalism background there. And she's definitely uh, doing her part to uh, yes. fill the, uh, the shoes of the exiting Bill Stevens. Now, uh, just before retirement, uh, you decided to run for magistrate for Henderson's district five. And that's a title that you earned in uh, November. Congratulations. Thank but you. Uh, Thank anyway, you. what um, what inspired you to dive into the uh, to the political realm? And um, what have you enjoyed most about this young journey so far? 
Well, I mean, it's cliches are are great, aren't they? Uh, out of the frying pan, right into the fire, if you will. Um, <laughs> yeah, they serve their purpose for sure. Cliches do. About two weeks to the day that I had made that decision that I was going to be eventually retiring from radio and, and from WSON. Um, and I had not told anyone but my family and the folks there at the radio station of that decision. I was approached uh, by the Democratic Party to see if I would be interested in running for the fifth district seat, which was then held by uh, my good friend, longtime uh, associate uh, on the fiscal court and in uh, district court, and then before that as county attorney, and that being Charlie McCollum, oh, who sure. had decided uh, that he would not be running again for re-election. He was going to retire from uh, you know, public service after all these years. Right. So uh, uh, I, you know, I, the thought had crossed my mind several times uh, before uh, of, uh, you know, if I did do something other than radio that I would possibly, you know, serve on the school board because I, I, I really believe in helping our youth and how important that is having a good educational system in our community. It's been good to my sons and my family and so many others uh, or maybe, you know, possibly serving on the city commission hadn't really thought much about uh, actually serving on the on the fiscal court. That's that's a pretty big responsibility. And, uh, you know, I didn't live in the county. But uh, as it turns out, the fifth district is where I have lived almost my entire life since coming to Henderson. Mm. I've lived I've lived here because it encompasses uh, all the precincts are within the incorporated limits of Henderson. Uh, there are no county precincts in the fifth district. Um, and so, I mean, I fit that requirement quite well. Uh, I knew a lot about this area and of course about the whole community and, and had worked with the previous judges and fiscal courts and county officials and other elected officials. And um, I gave it a lot of thought. I talked to my family. Uh, I talked to uh, several other folks and I made that that choice. I thought, uh, you know, this would be a way to continue to serve this community that I love so much. Right. And, uh, that's, yeah. That's how I got into it. Um, and, and you were just uh, sworn in a couple weeks ago, right? That's right. Just, uh, just under two weeks ago. It's been fun, even though you haven't been at it very long. I know it's been, uh, you know, an enjoyable ride the first few weeks. It is a lot to learn. I thought I knew and I, and I do know probably more than maybe just the average person uh, from having to study budgets and ordinances and understanding the different issues, all the economic development uh, the stuff that goes along with it and all that. Uh, but still, yeah, just in the, in the few short weeks since the, being actually elected, uh, the trainings that I've been attending, and I've got more uh, still to come, uh, especially this month. Uh, uh, I see that I just only really scratched the surface and there's just so much more to the position, even though it's part-time uh, it, it really is uh, something that you could devote uh, your, you know, so much more to it. And that's what I intend to do. I want to get uh, really involved and stay involved and, and serve our community. I feel like I'm kind of, again, where I need to be at this particular time. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, because uh, again, this opening was one of the few that was coming up that we knew about. Uh, I just happened to be in the in the right district to be eligible to run for it. And uh, it has been very enjoyable, but uh, it's also been eye-opening. And uh, I really now have a greater appreciation for those who, who certainly put themselves out to be considered for running for public office. Um, sure. I always had that respect, but now I have even more because now I know all the things you have to go through as far as filing the financial reports uh, and getting those in on a timely manner and, uh, you know, <laughs> buying yard signs and uh, <laughs> right. cutting political commercials and just meeting the public and talking to them. And uh, one thing I found on the campaign trail, Sam, that uh, kind of surprised me is uh, not a whole lot of people seem to really understand what it is that magistrates do and what no, the, I can see that. Yeah. What the county government does. And so one of my hopes is actually to maybe use my journalistic background and find new ways to better tell that story of what county government is is doing for our citizens and uh, what it's about and who they can contact. Uh, I, I just had uh, someone ask me the, just the other day about a drainage issue that they were having, but they really had not a, an idea of who their magistrate was to talk to about it. Or, you know, we do have a ditch commission. I mentioned, you know, they could talk to them or our county engineer. And, and so that's what I'd like to do is just kind of maybe have a way to let folks get a better understanding, especially young people. When you think about it, uh, the, the young people out at the high school, the only interaction they might have would be with the county clerk's office when they're going to get their driver's license and uh, circuit clerk's office. Yes. Right now the the uh, driver's uh, licensing bureau, as we've kind of broken everything back out again, uh, or going to get their their first vehicle uh, registered there at the clerk's office at the courthouse. Uh, I think, you know, we need to have more civic education so that they can then become our next generation of future judges and magistrates and clerks and all that. At, at least they have a better understanding of, of what services are available to them and, and, and then how they can interact and tell us how to do things even better. Yeah, we'll always need people to sort of carry on that baton, won't we? Mm -hmm. Bill, we certainly have enjoyed this fascinating look back at your uh, extensive career in radio. Now, uh, last but not least, based on your wealth of experience uh, what are some words of wisdom that you pass along to those in our audience considering careers in maybe radio or television journalism or perhaps even print journalism mm -hmm. and, and that's a a big deal because uh unfortunately uh you know that job market is uh not as robust as it once was or not as many newspapers as we know um, and it, breaking into TV can be pretty tough. I think that's where a lot of young people today are focused on. They, they used to want to be sports broadcasters, right? Uh, they wanted to be on ESPN. They wanted to do like either the sideline or they wanted to be the play-by-play -play announcer. And it's one I heard a lot oh, yeah. uh, from young people like in JA and that would come to the station or uh, just interviews or just talking to, to young people in general about 
journalism or, or getting involved in the media. And when I would, you know, certainly talk to groups about uh, getting into this type of industry, you need to have a well-rounded education. You need to know a little, you don't need to know a whole lot about one particular thing, unless you're going to specialize in that. Say you're going to be a, uh, just a reporter for space and astronomy, then definitely you want a strong background in those kind of disciplines. But if, if you're just uh, looking to be a reporter, being a good journalist, you need to be naturally curious and not be afraid to ask questions. Uh, but you need to have a well-rounded type of education. So because you're going to be covering all kinds of different stories, uh, different events, uh, different subjects. And I, I think that's the appeal of it is that no two days are going to be exactly alike. Oh, and no. you get you get to be that cool kid on the playground, right? That gets oh, yeah. to tell everybody else, hey, did you hear this? Uh, you know, uh, Johnny and Lisa over here, they're, you know, they're having uh, a little tiff and, you know, they might be breaking up or, you know, so exactly. you get to be that first person. And, and actually it goes all the way back to, you know, when we were sitting around hunter gatherers around the campfire and acting out the stories of the hunt from that day, or they're remembering their particular ancestors before it was written down and actually just it was a verbal history so it, it's a long 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 tradition of uh, of being able to tell stories so oh, yeah. being a good storyteller knowing how to uh, convey information that's not just uh, words it, it has to you have to give those words meaning and give them life otherwise people aren't going to listen to you very long oh, yeah uh, but um uh, it's not easy. You you better understand that the again it's it's a world that you have to really work yourself through the ranks, and a lot of times that means moving from one place to another to get a better opportunity. Um, I, of course, in today's world, Sam, you can actually uh, do a lot of things online, which makes it I think uh, a lot easier, right? Um, and uh, so much of it now is going to be digital and not analog. So uh, you need to have a good uh, technology background for sure. And, uh, you know, know how to take pictures, know how to take video, because a lot of times, uh, you know, even if it's a print outlet, they're going to have a website. Oh, yeah. And humans are uh, creatures that are visual. They, they like pictures. And so uh, you need to know how to do that. So develop those kind of skills. Exactly. Uh, talk to, yeah, talk to people in the industry uh, and, and get their thoughts on it. Um, there's a lot of still great uh, programs. Western Kentucky still has a very strong program. Uh, one of the guys in charge down there actually uh, was someone who worked here at the Gleaner and uh, who I went to school with uh, in Owensboro. And, oh, what a small world. With. Yeah, exactly. And uh, they're doing, you know, still the good work down there. And we need good journalists. We need people that can, can critically think and cut through, uh, you know, what is fact and what is fiction and be able to give it, you know, the test. Does it, you know, does it sound true? 
and, and then talk to more than just one source so that you know you've got the right information. So yeah. those, those are some of the key things that uh, I would suggest if anyone's maybe considering a career of uh, yeah. a podcast. Great career for uh, <laughs> the right person. You just, like you said, have to be open to acquiring a lot of different skills uh, and, and uh, an inquiring mind is always an mm-hmm. asset too. So you definitely have to, you know, remember those things. Well, um, we sure appreciate you joining us. And one more thing, folks, Bill was telling me, of course, uh, a lot of you know Pim Fister Clark, and Bill produces her show, Wedding Planning with Pim, and that's heard, what, three times a week on SON? Actually, it's uh, six times. Uh, it's in different day parts, though, on Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays. It's during the uh, early morning uh, 5.30 time frame part of the America in the Morning program that they carry. Uh, And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, it's on in the eight o'clock hour. And then uh, on Saturday mornings, it's uh, right there next to community items around 720, something like that. There you go. So six mornings a week at some point, you Mm -hmm. can hear wedding planning with Pim, which Bill produces. In fact, um, they're working on possibly launching uh, a podcast, Bill and Pim, at some point soon, aren't you? We are, uh, you know, we, we looked around, we said, we have all this wonderful equipment uh, and we want to help other people if they need uh, either technical help or a place to record their podcast. And then we looked at each other and said, you know, we don't do too bad ourselves. Why don't we just start our own podcast? And then several people have actually suggested it. And so we're going to follow through with that. And uh, we're already in the beginning phases of that. Uh, we've got to, uh, uh, get some guests lined up and uh, get a few shows in the can, as it were. Uh, but uh, we're we're making progress, and so hopefully in the not too distant future, you'll hear more about. Uh, we're calling it uh, Around Town with Stark and Clark. Oh, I like it, Around Town with Stark and Clark. <laughs> Got a nice ring to it. So I thought folks... it, yeah, I thought it does. So. <laughs> yeah, so you folks keep your uh, eyes open for that, and I'll do my best to keep you posted on it as well i know that'll definitely be uh, an informative and um, entertaining podcast well bill uh, we certainly want we do want to make it fun and as well like you say informative so yeah exactly so it serves a, a dual purpose there well this has been a blast for me i hope you've had fun sir i have it's always great talking with you and uh sharing these stories these memories um and hopefully we can do it again sometime in the not too distant future. Maybe we can talk about uh, more uh, things happening with county government. There we go. Yeah, we could, you know, switch gears a little bit and have a nice conversation in that realm. Well, or uh, we can uh, maybe talk. Hopefully, I can go back to uh, NASA and uh, Kate Kennedy and uh, oh, yes. do some more reporting from down there with the uh, the Artemis program. Yeah, we could do a, a whole episode on your uh, your NASA adventures too. So that's <laughs> plenty more options for us. Well, uh, Bill, thanks so much. You're the best. No, no problem at all. And Sam, thank you very much. Happy New Year. Right back at you, Bill. And of course, we wish Bill Stevens Stark absolutely nothing but the best in his retirement and as magistrate. Wasn't it great hearing him reflect on his memories of at least a few of the many stories? That he covered as WSON's news director. Now, I know that a number of us 
undoubtedly recall hearing him report on such matters, but we didn't necessarily know what was going on behind the scenes or off mic up until now, and it's always interesting, at least to me, to get the backstory on those things. So can't thank Bill enough for joining me, and I'm with him. We'll definitely have to do this again and discuss his journey through the political realm and perhaps his future coverage of launches into space. So we wish him well in those endeavors as well. So let me quickly remind you that uh, my email address, and I'd love to hear from you, by the way, it's bluegrassblabbin at gmail.com. Use that to let me know about restaurants, state parks, musicians, unique local businesses, educators, even healthcare professionals. Anything, anybody with significant connections to Kentucky, they are worthy of my consideration on the program. Also hit me up via the Blabbin' in the Bluegrass Facebook page. I would love hearing from you there too. Now before we split, let's reveal the highly anticipated answer of this week's Bluegrass Brain Buster from the beginning of the show. And again, I wanted to know what WSON stands for. That was uh, Bill Stevens' longtime employer, WSON Radio. He was there for nearly 40 years. So I wanted to know what those call letters stand for. WSON stands for We Serve Our Neighbors. We Serve Our Neighbors. That has been the slogan of WSON and what the call letters stand for since... 1941, when they first took to the air December 17th of that year, 1941. So WSON has quite a long-standing history here in uh, Henderson. 1941 was the first year, so let's see, 81 years. Actually, we're going on 82. This December of 2023 will make 82 years of excellent broadcasting for WSON in Henderson. So that's hard to believe. But anyway, WSON stands for We Serve Our Neighbors. And that is the answer of this week's Brain Buster. Come on back next week for another one. We will be back, good Lord willing, and the creek don't rise next Wednesday. And that would be January the 18th. And remember that you can listen and subscribe free of charge via Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Verbal. We have also recently added iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, you can also catch us on Boomplay and even a few other podcast directories. So if we're not on your favorite, email me, Facebook me, let me know what that favorite is, and we will do our best to make sure that we're there ASAP. And until we meet again, keep laughing, keep smiling, and keep blabbing in the bluegrass. Because we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste.